Thank you again for your faithfulness. Let me just say that if you miss the monthly evening of prayer and worship, you missed a blessing this last week. It was held at South Church of God over here on Washington, Pastor Persephone Fuller's church. And I'm telling you what, we experienced the presence of Jesus. Jacob did a wonderful job with his worship team and and. Uh, uh, worship team from one of the Spanish churches, uh, the Spanish Church of God, as a matter of fact, did a wonderful job. And we just, I tell you what, I thought they were going to have to kick some of us out of that Church of God after a while. The presence of God was so strong. And no, I'm teasing about that. Pastor Fuller, if you've not met her, she is a fireball. And, and she is God's gift to that church. And so we're so thankful. They were without a pastor for almost three years and I know it was because they had to find the right one, and they found it in, in Pastor Fuller. So next month, uh, it's not been scheduled yet, but keep, keep listening, and, and we'll keep you posted about where it's going to be at. These things are getting better each and every month, and want you to be a part of it. Today is Mother's Day. How many of you have a mother? I'm just seeing if you're listening. But whether they're here with us, still, still alive, or if they've gone on to heaven, they're still our mother, and we honor them today. I have a couple of guys going to help me this morning. Adam and Quentin, if you would please come up to the front. We have a little gift for each of our moms today. And uh, so, Mom, stand up. Every one of you who are mothers, I want you to stand up and just remain standing so these guys can give you this gift. Thank you guys in advance. And while they're doing that, let's just give our moms a hand. I enjoy on Mother's Day particularly looking at all the posts on social media, all the tributes to moms and and uh, Boy, I miss mine today. I really do. I miss her every day, but especially on Mother's Day. I was looking through some pictures this morning to find one to post on social media, and I looked at that ornery little look on her face, and I thought, man, I miss that. Thank you, moms. Again, Lord bless you. I want to make sure everyone has a, a gift from us. Got some more here in this. There we go. Want to make sure every mom has a gift. It's really good to see Betty Klotz back with us this morning. The old ticker's working good, I hope, Betty. Okay, thanks moms and happy Mother's Day. Hope you have an opportunity to spend your day with your mom and, and honor her. And thanks guys. Give these guys a hand for helping me out here. I have learned that i got to get baskets and TVs out of the way when I start preaching. It's been almost two years now since I've performed that little act for you, falling off the stage and 
tearing the ligaments in my thumb, and so uh, don't want that to happen again. We are in part two of our sermon series. Again, no children's church today, so our families can spend time together. Uh, part two of our sermon series that we've entitled Fans or Followers. Uh, we've been talking about some specifics of what following Jesus look, look, looks like. What does it look like to follow? What, what do we do? You know, the, the Church of Jesus Day, um, they believed that following was about following rules. But one thing I've found out, especially among church people, about following rules is that following rules leads to pride. You know why? Because some do a better job of following their archaic rules than the others of us do. And those who do find a sense of pride that they're somehow gaining more of God's favor than those of us who don't. And you know what God thinks of pride? He hates it, especially if it's religious pride. Following the rules leads to pride. Following the rules leads to death. And Jesus says that following is about following not the rules, but following him in relationship. Following in relationship will lead to humility, and following in relationship will lead to life, not just here, but forever. You know, every one of us have areas that the Lord is still growing us in. Amen? I hope you're still growing. Uh, every, every one of us has those, but today I want us to touch on some uh, specifics again of who can be a follower, what it looks like to be a follower. We, we talked about a couple of weeks ago that unlike most teachers and, and rabbis of, of Jesus' day, Jesus' invitation to follow was an open invitation, and it was available to anyone and everyone, and it still is. Now, how many of you tell me that's good news? That is really good news. No matter how you've lived in the past, you're now invited to follow Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, everything changes. You figured that out by now. And we, we also talked about the fact that it costs nothing in terms of payment for the privilege of following Jesus, but it will cost everything in terms of our life to actually follow Jesus. So there's a definite cost involved, and we have to count and consider that cost. If you have your Bibles or your smart app on your phone, go with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter number 2. Today, I want us to consider four questions. What does following look like? Are there rules? Are those rules what we follow? And what does it actually look like to follow? Mark chapter number 2, we're going to begin at verse number 13, and we're going to read all the way through to chapter 3, verse number 13. Uh, these chapter breaks were, were put in by people hundreds and thousands of years later, they are not in the original manuscripts, so this is like one continuous story. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him, and as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. 
Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've not I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them, but someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. And not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. i got to stop here and just shake my head. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and was restored. It was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples, and a large crowd followed him. They came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from the east of the Jordan River, and even from as far north as Tyre and Sidon. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. He had healed many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw themselves to the ground in front of him, shrieking, You are the Son of God. But Jesus 
sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. And afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your example. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us the importance of following in relationship as opposed to following the rules. And dear Jesus, this morning as your word goes forth, I pray that it would find a fertile place in the hearts of those of us who hear it. And that it would, that that seed would begin to sprout and to grow and to bring us into right relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. This scripture passage that we just read, this lengthy passage, it looks at how the Pharisees, that is the church of Jesus' day, thought that following, this matter of following, what it should look like. Uh, we're going we're to look at this this morning from the overall view of what's taking place here in this passage. Uh, you see, when Jesus came, there were those that had in their minds what true believers would look like and what true believers should do. They had in their minds these rules that they thought all God-fearing people should follow. And those, again, to whom I'm referring are, are called Pharisees. They believed that following was about following a set of rules. You, I've told you this before, but by the time of Jesus, you know, back in the book of Exodus, Moses went up on the mountain and got ten rules. They're not ten suggestions, they were ten commandments, right? Right? Thousands of years passed, we come to the time of Jesus. And by the time of Jesus, those original ten had been added to to the point where there were 680 some rules, commandments to follow. How many of you think you could have remembered all 688 of them? Me neither. But that was, that was the church of the day. You had to follow all 688 rules in order to find God's favor. If you look at this passage of Scripture, we see that the Pharisees would say that in order to follow, first of all, you can't eat with sinners. As you can tell, I eat with sinners and I eat with Christian people both. The consideration is not whether or not they're sinners. The consideration is the food. You know, the Pharisees would say, you have to fast at certain times. The Pharisees would say, you can't pick grain on the Sabbath. The Pharisees would say, Jesus, you can't heal or do good on the Sabbath because we have rules and you have to follow the rules if you are a genuine follower of God. Let me ask a question of you. Do you think this still exists in the church today? It does, not only from certain churches, but from certain individuals as well. 
Now, I want you to listen really carefully this morning because I don't want anyone walking out of here today with a skewed understanding of what I'm getting ready to tell you. Now, obviously, we can agree that there are things that godly people should not do. Amen? And there are also things that godly people should do. There are areas of essential belief, and there are areas of what I call non-essential belief. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, for example, if, if someone came to me, and they said to me, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I do not believe in the divinity of Christ, or in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, I'd have a major problem with this person's understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus requires, by definition, certain beliefs about who Jesus is and, 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 and what Jesus does and has done. Now, similarly, if, if someone came to me claiming to be a follower of Jesus, but they continued on in their lifestyle of robbing banks and murdering people, I'd have a problem with that. Why? Because Christ doesn't just save people. He changes people. You, you can't be unchanged if you are a diligent, disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. Now that being said, there are some individuals who would who would take this beyond what's written in Scripture for us to follow, and, and they would add in many more rules that they believe are required in order to be a follower of Jesus. And I'm just going to toss out a few. Now again, listen very carefully because I don't want any misunderstanding of what I'm saying. They would, there are those in the church that would add in things like, well, true followers of Jesus wouldn't drink alcohol because everybody knows that the water that Jesus turned into wine was non-alcoholic wine. Uh, they, would, they would add in rules like, true followers of Jesus don't smoke. They don't go to R-rated movies. Followers of Jesus shouldn't even hang around with people who aren't Christians. Now, I'm sharing those with you because those are some that I have heard with my own ears from church people. Now, some of you are shaking your head or smiling at what you believe to be the ridiculousness of these examples. But I can tell you that there are churches, probably even in this town, that in order to be a member of those churches, you can't do any of those things. I grew up in one. Now, now here's where I really, again, want you to listen. I'm not saying that doing any or all of those things is good. In fact, doing some of those things will have bad effects. Doing some of those things will put you in bad places that you shouldn't be in. What I'm saying is that being a follower of Jesus is not about having, following rules that we have set up. When we think that following is all about following the rules, and that's all we seek to do is follow the rules and not break any of them, we will find that it's going to lead us to some problems. 
First, we find that following the rules, as I said earlier, leads us to pride. When we establish a rule and then begin to follow it, we start thinking we're pretty good. That we've got this Jesus thing down to a pat. We think to ourselves, just look at me, Lord. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go out with the girls that do. Lord, you're really lucky to have me representing you. That's pride. Makes me almost sick to even talk about it. Listen to a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter number 18. This is a parable about someone who thought that they had all the rules down. He says in verse 10, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Now listen to this, folks. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. And I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. I can tell you that Pharisee was filled with pride at all of those external rules that he had kept and followed. But listen to what Jesus says about people who follow rules, but they really don't care about other people. It's found in Matthew chapter number 15, verses, 17, or, uh, verses 7 through 9. He's very specific, by the way. He says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as being commands from God. Pharisees followed the rules. But you know what? They only looked good on the outside. Jesus said their hearts are far from me. They're full of pride. They're full of hypocrisy. They didn't care about other people. They cared about what they looked like in the eyes of other people. Are, are, were they doing a good enough job of following the rules? But when we do that, we're not only hypocrites... But again, Jesus has more to say about people like that. He says in Matthew chapter 23, verse number 27, that they are whitewashed tombs. They're beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones, all sorts of impurity. He goes on to say, outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Friends, if what we follow is the rules, it will lead to pride and sin in our lives. And not only does just following the rules lead to pride, but following the rules, obviously to those of us who know Jesus and have been following him, will lead to death, not just in this life, but eternally. Look what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse number 20. He says, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. 
It's only those who are declared righteous that will inherit eternal life. Those who do not have the righteousness of Jesus Christ will die in their sinfulness. Righteousness doesn't come by keeping the rules or following the law. Paul tells us in Galatians 3.21 that if the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying the law or obeying it. If by following we strive to just follow rules, we're going to die. Die in our sins and we'll be eternally separated from the Lord. Now, let me switch gears. There are many people who claim Jesus Christ as their Savior. But a lot of those people are still trying to earn their way into heaven through the keeping of the law or abiding by rules. This was the case with the Pharisees of Jesus' day. And this is the case with those who seek to apply rules to everyone's life. This is the case with those whom Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 21. He said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. He goes on to say, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. In other words, we spoke the word in your name, and we cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. Jesus says, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. They were trying to do good without being in relationship with the Lord. And friends, that's just impossible. Jesus is saying that following is not about following rules. Following is about following in relationship with him. Uh, that, that, those words of verse number 23 are haunting words. Jesus said, I never knew you. I never knew you. People who've gone to church, people who've done their best to follow the rules. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Those people are not in relationship with Jesus. When Jesus called people to follow, he did not call them to follow rules. He called them to follow him. He said, come, follow me. Come, be in relationship with me. Friends, it's about knowing. Not knowing about, but knowing and following Jesus. John chapter number 10, Jesus again speaking to the Pharisees. And here in John chapter number 10, beginning with verse number 2, he uses the analogy of a shepherd speaking to his sheep. He says, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock... He walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. And then if you look down just a little bit to verse number 14, Jesus says, and this is the reason why he used this analogy, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. 
Those who follow are those who are in relationship with Jesus. Now, now just like following rules has an effect on us and leads us to places, like I said earlier, bad effects, bad places, pride, death. The same is true with following Jesus. Following Jesus in relationship with him also has its effects, and it also leads us to different places. The tax collector, well, let me say this first. One thing that we can see is that in following in relationship with Jesus will lead to humility. When we follow the Lord and when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, here's what happens. It leads us to humbly recognizing who we are and thus our great need for him. How many of you have figured out that you need Jesus in spite of how good you might think you are? We need Jesus. And until we come to that recognition, we are lacking in humility. Humility will tell us, man, I can't do this on my own. I got to have Jesus. Now, earlier I, I, I shared that parable in which Jesus was talking about two men who entered the temple to pray. One of them was a Pharisee, the other one a, a, a despised tax collector. The Pharisee was following the rules, right? He was fasting, he was tithing, he was doing all the things that good church people are supposed to do, right? And what did it lead him to? It led him to a prideful uh, prideful way of looking down on people who weren't as good as he was. But the tax collector, now everybody knows tax collectors aren't rule followers, right? No. But in that day, they, weren't, they were dishonest. This was a despised tax collector, and he somehow has come into a relationship much like the one we read in Mark chapter number 2 with Levi, who is also a tax collector. He's come into a relationship characterized by following Jesus, and he finds himself in the temple praying just like the Pharisee, only there's a much different approach in his praying than there was for the Pharisee. He finds himself humbled in recognition of how needy he was. If you go to that parable, the 18th chapter of Luke, verse 13, says this. The tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat on his chest in sorrow as saying, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Now, here's the important part. Verse 14. Jesus says to his disciples and those listening about this man, this tax collector, listen to what he says. I tell you, this sinner... And not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Did you catch that? 
The tax collector turns to the Lord, turned to the Lord and he recognized God and his holiness. And being in that relationship brings out the stark contrast between who we are and who God is. And it works in us to recognize how needful of God's mercy and his grace that each of us are. We need God's mercy. We need God's grace. And the only way we'll ever understand that is by coming to him in humility. Not on the basis of our deeds that we have done and our excellent following of the rules. Tax collector left justified. Following in relationship leads to humility. Versus following rules, which leads to pride. Now we also see... That following in relationship has another specific thing. It leads to life. Remember, following the rules leads to death. Following in relationship to Jesus leads to life. Matthew 16, verse number 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you will give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What I think Jesus is saying, like I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, is that while it's free to follow Jesus and everyone is welcome to follow the act of following itself is costly. It's going to cost us some things to follow Jesus. In fact, it's going to cost us everything. But as you follow in relationship with Jesus, then and only then will you find what real life is all about. Jesus is leading his followers to where real life, real living can be found, a life that is full, a life that is eternal. And if we follow Jesus, that's exactly what we're going to find. We read earlier from John 10 about the good shepherd and the sheep knowing him and he knowing the sheep. In that same passage of Scripture, John 10, he says in verse number 10, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now you've probably heard it this way, the way that I learned it. I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Friends, I can tell you that yes, it's going to cost us something to follow Jesus. In fact, it's going to cost us everything. But the benefits of following Jesus far, far, far outweigh whatever it's cost us. There's nothing that I've had to give up to follow Jesus that he hasn't replaced a hundred times over with something better. And you know what? When I breathe my last breath on this earth and my next breath is in heaven, it's really going to be worth it then. It's going to be worth everything then. We used to sing it this way, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. It will be worth it all.
when we see Christ. Do you believe that today? It's going to be worth it. Being a follower is all about following Jesus where he leads. It's not about following rules. It's about a relationship. Now again, listen carefully. This doesn't mean that I can just say I believe in and follow Jesus so then I can go do whatever I want. That's not what I'm saying at all. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we are changed, transformed. Our minds are renewed. What used to matter to us may not matter anymore. Our values change. Our morals change. It's just like when you enter into the covenant of marriage. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's not like I have to tell myself every day when I wake up, I'm married, so I can't be with another woman today. I don't have to do that every day. <laughs> Why? It's because I love my wife that I don't want to be with anyone else. I don't desire to hurt her. Now, having said that, there have been and probably will still be times when, when, when I hurt my wife. But you know what? Because of my relationship that I have with her, I will seek her forgiveness. It's the same way in relationship with Jesus. If you're still breathing here this morning, there are going to be times when you disappoint Jesus between now and heaven. Amen? <laughs> but knowing that you don't want to disappoint Jesus, all you have to do is come and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can your grace cover me disappointing you? And he will say yes every time. Every time. You know, I, I don't want to do anything that will dishonor the Lord who saved me. I don't. The one who laid down his life for me, gave, paid that great price, the one who has, who has given me life beyond anything that I could have imagined, and I'm not talking about wealth or, or earthly riches, I'm talking about things that you can't buy, things like peace and joy Heaven as my home, as my future. I want each of you to ask yourself some questions this morning. Am I in a relationship with Jesus? If Jesus came back today, and would he know me or would he say, I never knew you? Would I be relying on the things that, that I have done? I mean like, I went to church every week. I, I tithed my income. I even taught Sunday school. Or would I be relying upon my relationship with Jesus and his blood and what he's done for me to provide my salvation? Are there things I do for my salvation as opposed to doing as a result of my salvation? Friends, these are hugely important questions. Maybe this morning as we've been talking about the specifics of being a follower of Jesus, you see that you haven't been following Christ, but rather you've been more concerned with following 
some self-imposed rules or maybe church-imposed rules or maybe preacher-imposed rules. Let me tell you something, friends. As a former addict to that way of thinking, I'm just being honest with you. As a former addict to that way of thinking, I can tell you that it's only through entering into a relationship with Jesus that any of us will ever be saved. Ever. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to God except through Jesus. No one. How do you enter into that relationship? Well, it's really very simple. You receive him as your Savior by believing in him, who he is, what he's done, and what he's still yet to do. Paul said in Romans 10, 9, very, very simple words. If anyone confess with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, the same shall be saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. I believe that this morning, do you? I know he's risen. Why? Because he lives in me. He's changed me from what I used to be. And the great thing is it's available to anyone. John said in John chapter 1, verse number 12, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. We become his child when we enter into a relationship with him, a relationship that will give us life. Maybe for someone here today, this is your day. All you need to do is confess your belief in him as Lord and your belief in what he has done for you. Worship team, would you come, please? I can't stress enough this morning, friends, that you will never, ever, ever enter heaven based on what you have done. Your entrance to heaven will be based only on what he has done and upon your relationship with him. Holy Spirit of God, begin to search each heart in this room this morning. Lord, I know that I had this, this skewed understanding of a relationship with you as I was growing up. I thought that it was so important to follow all of these self-imposed rules and regulations and shouldn't do's and should do's and God, it took, me, it took me 28 years to figure out that if that's what it's about, I, I couldn't do it. And when I confessed just that exact thing to you, God, I can't follow these rules any longer. I keep messing up. I keep falling short. You spoke to me in my heart through your spirit and said, I know. 
That's the whole point, Terry. And you made me to understand that I am a flawed human being. And as long as I breathe this air, there's still going to be parts of me that will remain flawed. But if I'm in relationship with you, the one who understands how flawed we are, you've told us that all we need to do is confess to you that we've fallen short and ask you to cleanse us once again. And we can do that over and over and over again. And hopefully, Lord, those times will become less and less as we grow in maturity in you. Lord, probably the second greatest work of grace that you've ever done in my life, short of salvation, was was giving me this understanding. This understanding that I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to I don't have to put on pretenses. I can just be me. And as long as I'm in relationship with you, your grace is going to be sufficient for my need. Lord, I thank you for that because it was so liberating, so freeing to know that when I messed up, you understood. And all you wanted to do was put an arm around my shoulder and help me get back on the right path. And Jesus, this morning, I just have this feeling that I'm not the only one who has experienced those kinds of feelings. There may be some in this room, Lord, who have never come into relationship with you. There are some in this room who have come into relationship with you but keep beating themselves up because they can't follow the rules. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help them to see this morning that the problem is not being able to follow the rules. The problem is that they're following the wrong source. Help them to see their need to follow you. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. A pastor that I once had said it this way, and I think it, it says it best. When I came to Christ, 
I didn't trade my sin for legalism. That is, following the rules. That's, that's trading bondage for another bondage. I guarantee you there's not a one of us in this room that can follow all those 688 self-imposed rules. Not one of us. And you'll beat yourself up every time you fail. I did. I carried a bag of guilt every time I failed and messed up because I thought God had turned his back on me. What a, what a misunderstanding of who God is. It's not about rules. You're here this morning. Stand to your feet with me. You're here this morning. You've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Or you have made that decision to follow Jesus, but it looks far more like following the rules than it does following Jesus. These altars are open this morning. These altars are open. The world behind me, the cross before me, that's what it's about. Let's sing it. Let's sing that verse. The world behind me, the cross before me. 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 No turning back. Wow. It's 10 minutes before the noon hour. Aren't you going to say congratulations? Well, don't, don't start clapping yet. I'm not done. We talked in our Sunday school class this morning about some of the things that Kent talked to us about last Sunday. I want to take just a quick one question poll of every one of you. How many of you would say to me this morning that your decision to follow Jesus was the best decision you've ever made? Hold them up. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Amen. Amen. You know, it's hard for me to even imagine how somebody who has followed Jesus, who has tasted and has seen how good it is to know Jesus, could ever say, I can't do it anymore. I'm renouncing my relationship with Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't understand that thinking. I just, I mean, I have a couple of friends that are there. All I can do is pray 
that God just reveal himself to them in amazing ways again and, and quicken that fire. Let me tell you what, that fire inside your heart never goes out. It just needs kindled from time to time. If you decided to follow Jesus, that was a good decision. Happy Mother's Day. May God bless all you mothers richly and abundantly. Amen.